Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to 10Q Interview. Today's episode I talked to Mr. Caleb Parker. This is a great one. If you're an entrepreneur, I think you're really, really partic- in particular going to like this, but there's a lot of things to take away from Caleb's journey as a whole. If this is your first time here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I think you will. It's, it is a good one. And um, like I said earlier, I think there's lots of insights that Caleb shared. He's a wise man and he really knows what he's talking about. But let us know your favorite bits on social media at 10 Interview everywhere you may look. And most importantly, don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this. It would mean the world to me. I'm sure Caleb as well. If you share this episode far and wide, there is going to be at least one person, if not multiple people you'll think of when listening to this who would really benefit from hearing it. So make sure to let them know. Anyway, enough rambling from me. Now onto the podcast. Good morning, Caleb. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to grace your presence on the 10Q interview podcast. It's very much appreciated. How are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic. Don't be silly. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Kick straight off with question number one. Uh, You meet a stranger at a party, wedding, cafe, wherever, and they ask you what you do. What is it you're most likely to say to them? I tell them I build ecosystems for entrepreneurs to succeed in. Um, I always say, I always explain to people that I believe that the world is made better by entrepreneurs. If you look back over history, yeah. Uh, and all the modern conveniences we have today, it's because someone stood up and said, there's got to be a better way. Um, and so I, for the last decade, have been have dedicated my life's mission to supporting and championing entrepreneurs, those people who are challenging the status quo. Okay. Do you think then, is that the case or is it fair to say then that entrepreneurs are not supported enough or need more assistance? Well, yes, 100%. I think it's the, the the hardest thing is taking an idea out of your head and manifesting that into something that's that can be used by someone. Okay. Um, whether that's a product or a service, um, and and then then the next hardest is scaling that. The scaling piece there's a lot of support to venture capital. There's a shit ton of money out there mm-hmm. uh, for the, for the entrepreneurs who are able to take that, that idea and turn it into something uh, physical. Um, but there's not enough support at the very beginning. Yeah. So, okay. So as a layman or an idiot, what, what, when you tell people that, what, what's the sort of, and they say, Oh, what, what support do you give? What, what's your answer? Well, I, um, used the term ecosystem earlier because, uh, it really is when you, when you, when you've got something in your head and you want to take that and turn it into something, and yeah. then once you turn it into something, you, you want to start making money with it. And then you want to start scaling it. Those different steps uh, in the journey require different skill sets, require different support. Okay. And so uh, for us, we create an ecosystem within uh, the different markets that we're in, Manchester, London, uh, and beyond, uh, to where we bring the different parties together. Um, okay. And that might mean um, – uh, coaches. It could it could mean um, accountants. It could mean lawyers. It could mean the capital community. It could mean um, you know academia helping to teach leadership skills. Right. Um, but we also think it's important to put like-minded people together. And I don't mean like-minded as in we all think the same. Yeah. But we're all we all have a growth mindset. We're all okay. creators. And because when you put creators together, one plus one sometimes can equal a thousand. 
Yeah, yeah, agreed. Do, do people generally know the support they require? Or do you do you sort of help them make that realization? I think it depends on every, everyone's different. Okay. Uh, some people have done it before and, and, you know, they need less support. Right. Um, or, and other people are coming in for the first time and, you know, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> Never a true word said, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every day I, I learn something new. Uh, okay, I say every day. That's pretty absolute. But, you know, most days, yeah. if you have the growth mindset, you are open to learning something new. And, and uh, Chris, I would imagine you feel the same that, um, you know, from the point of which you started your journey, yeah. um, you, you've learned so much that you didn't even know you didn't know. <laughs> no, no, 100%. I think you said the word growth mindset a couple of times already, and I'm, I'm a huge believer in that. And I, th- I think mindset is one of the most undervalued tools at your disposal. And I mean, really, it's the cheapest tool to, to fix with the biggest ROI. Have you always had that growth mindset? Um, even if you didn't necessarily I know mean, what, what it meant at the time? Well, I, I, th- I think, I think so not from a, you know, nature perspective, from a nurtured perspective. So I grew up playing American football from the age of nine years old. Okay. And so, um, it was taught to me to, um, to, to train, to learn from my mistakes, to try to improve constantly. Um, watch game film, see what we did bad, watch other teams and see what they did good. And um, I think, so taking that from a sport perspective and applying it to business, it was a natural evolution um, to to apply that growth mindset. So I don't, I don't think I was born with it necessarily, but I certainly learned it. uh, Here's an interesting question for you. I, I think anyway. So you're American, correct? I am living in London. Living in London. Well, that was going to be my question. Have you noticed a cultural difference around the growth mindset between the States and here, the UK? When I first came over here, um, in, I think if I make a sweeping generalization, the United States, uh, the, 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 the mindset in business over there is, is, is less risk averse. We're much more willing to you know, swing for the fences, if I use a yeah. baseball analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might strike out a lot, but when we hit those home runs, boy, sure, we sure do. <laughs> and um, I think in the UK, when I first moved here, there was a low-risk uh, mindset uh, generally. Now, there yeah. were certainly certain circles where, you know, they were making some big bets. Yeah. Um, I've noticed in the last nearly a decade that I've lived here that that's changing, and, and we're seeing more and more entrepreneurs, uh, more and more creators, more and more people willing to take that, that bet. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, when you get into a, uh, an environment that in, embraces and almost encourages risk taking, um, then you see a lot more innovation happen. Yeah, I, I think so too. I was, it was kind of a loaded question because I, I, I sort of suspected you were going to answer that. And I, I agree. It's kind of strange. I mean, I guess it's the the reserved Brit, right? That's the stereotype. And it's good to hear that you've seen a change and actually people are getting more and more, um, or sorry, less risk averse, I suppose. I don't have the data in front of me right now, but if you look at the the statistics uh, for the last uh, uh, five, 10 years in the UK, 
yeah. entrepreneurship and the, the new new businesses being started is the numbers it just it spiked dramatically yeah no I, i've seen similar stats actually i think uh yeah i would agree what, what brought you to the uk in the first place entrepreneurship uh, was it yeah it was in two thir- 2013 i had um you know was on a a panel in florida speaking on the future of of the co-working industry okay and um or the future of flex space is what we call it sometimes uh now we call it space as a service but which i guess back then was a pretty rare topic of conversation well it was a small niche for sure yeah it was definitely a small niche and it's it's still small um but growing and um i make a long story short um met my future business partner there um we spun out a company uh from from his existing business um, and I came over to the UK to be the CEO, um, the company's first employee. Was there a CEO for three years before I exited in 2016? Okay. Wow. Okay. So you were CEO of that company. You now work with other entrepreneurs. Tell me a little bit about what you wanted to be when you were a kid. Well, I definitely wasn't an entrepreneur <laughs> uh, when I was a kid. Um, well, I, I said I started playing American football when I was nine years old. And yep. um, so I had, in, in, even in high school, when I was about 15, 16 years old, I thought well, my, my plan for life was to, um, you know, play in the NFL. Yeah. Um, when I retired from the NFL, I would then uh, become a high school football coach. Okay. Um, and uh, and teach history because I love history. <laughs> okay. Um, and settle down in the south and you know be a be a dad and all that stuff. And that's a very you know, detailed. Um, yeah, I had a plan. <laughs> I had a life plan back then, um, and n- none none of that has um has happened. <laughs> was it was it ever even close? Um, not really. Uh, so, well, I I played uh, one year of uh, American football at uni. Uh, okay at Georgia Southern University. Um, and then, yeah, no, then my life took a different, I, I, I took a different, I chose to take a different path. Okay. I got into business. I was in the hotel industry for a while and hospitality. Um, right. And then, and then I just, I became an entrepreneur or started, started leaning into entrepreneurship around the time I was 19, 20 years old. Okay. And, uh, is there of, any, is there any entrepreneurship sort of in your family? Uh, well, sort of my grandfather my dad's dad um he was he retired after selling um advertising on television networks and in, in our local city uh, okay. back home in savannah georgia but uh prior to that he tried a few different entrepreneurial pursuits he had a uh, uh he sold automobiles um he um when he was 14 or 15 years old mine Mind you, this is in the I don't know, 30s or 40s or something like that. It's a long time ago. He used to yeah. go out and shine shoes. He had a paper route. He did all kind of stuff. Um, but he never made it big as an entrepreneur and he ended up um, going the corporate route at the end. Right. But uh, I think I got the, the the personality from him. Okay. He's, he's a people person. He's a salesperson. Um, although I say I'm not in sales, I do have – I think I have some of that personality from, from my grandfather. Cool. Yeah, it's always – I, I always sort of get interested talking to entrepreneurs and sort of see what the what the seed was that led them down that path, and very often it's like you know a family member, mum or dad started doing something and it kind of 
set something off in their mind. But every now and again, you you sort of meet someone who who didn't have that and actually somehow stumbled into it for a different reason. So it's always an interesting insight for me to to see what that is for people. Well, I would add that when I was nineteen, I uh, ended up I was working in a hotel and I and I met a guy at the hotel who was checking in and we had had some good chats and um, he ended up introducing me to um, a few different books and cassette tapes back then around okay. entrepreneurship, including Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. um, The Magic of Thinking Big, I think the author is David Schwartz or something like that. And um, and so I got introduced, that sort of sparked the entrepreneur journey for me, even though I might have had the personality from my grandfather, the yeah. actual being an entrepreneur came from from this this person that I met when I was I, can't, I don't remember nineteen or twenty is nineteen ninety nine I think. What was your? I oh, see so you're a similar sort of age to me then. Okay, so what 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 was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Um, so it was a uh, and I'm I'm almost I'm almost I used to be embarrassed to say I'm almost embarrassed now. Uh, One day I won't be embarrassed at all. <laughs> but um, it was a multi level marketing or network marketing um okay. thing. It was uh. It was back in the old Quickstar Amway days of um, selling, um, but but it was interesting back then because they took a, a different approach. It was before you could buy stuff on Uber Eats and Deliveroo yeah, 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 and, yeah. and Amazon, and and th- but they had a piece of software you could put on your computer and and order your groceries and have it repetitive. And I thought it was so revolutionary. I got really excited about it. When, started, when was this? Ninety nine. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine. Wowzers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a it was a piece of software. You, it wasn't in the cloud. You had to actually stick it in your computer and yep, on, a, yep. on a CD-ROM and and be able to to spin it up to use it. But um, I was I was selling that to people, and, and obviously we made money by people buying their groceries through our platform. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then you try to get other people working with you to sell it too, and then starting their own <laughs> business. And I just I didn't I I didn't enjoy that part, but I really liked the innovation. I really liked the creativity around it um in the in the people aspect so um that actually led me to th- reading these books and listening to these cassette tapes and that opened my mind up to all sorts of opportunities so my first real entrepreneur <laughs> journey was um i started a staffing company oh did you i did okay well, what what sort of industry because i was in hotels and i knew that hotels always had uh... problems with staffing so i started up a staffing company um, we did temporary staffing. We recruited for management positions um, and bartenders. And um, then I ended up having a uh, newspaper, uh, physical, like hard printout newspaper yeah. um, that was uh, focused on the hospitality industry of my city. Okay. So it was really a trade publication. Yeah. And uh, how, did, was, how did they do? It was okay. Uh, we didn't make a ton of money. But um, no. it, for, for me, it, it opened up a lot of new opportunities. It led to me having a job website back when Monster.com was getting started. Um, we had a hospitality help wanted.com uh, website. Um, and that was sort of synergy with our recruitment firm. We ended up having a concierge center that made last minute hotel and dinner reservations for people, which opened up another opportunity uh, on my personal life. I met my future wife there. Oh, did you? Did. Funny how things work out, isn't it? You never know uh, when you open one door what happens. Well, yeah, I mean, if that guy in the hotel hadn't spoke to you about reading these books and stuff, you wouldn't be married. 
It's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's funny, right? Would, well, at least I wouldn't be married to my, my current wife. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Or <laughs> well, maybe you would, who knows? Who, who knows, yes. Okay. Um, tell me something about you that not many people know. Um, well, uh, well, I would say <laughs> my people near and dear to me probably know this, but um, uh, a lot of people don't know that my party trick is a specific karaoke song uh, <laughs> by Vanilla Ice. Um, Classic. Yes, and uh, but that's not the tr- that's not that's not. Does, the it, secret. does it come with dance moves as well, or we just definitely just, not? <laughs> just, just audio. I prefer a stool to sit on, but um, <laughs> it's um, and a drink in my hand. But no, the um, the what, but but is the part that most people don't know is I've done it in seven countries and about four different weddings. Have you? Is it, are you the go? Is it like are you the go-to person when the vibe starts dropping a bit? It's like I will get Caleb up and he'll uh, reignite the party. That's it. That's <laughs> it. It's fun. No, it's 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 a it's a good time. Um, it it's sometimes it gets old if if it gets repeated at the same event every year. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know all the lyrics, do you? Down to, I, I won't I won't oh, answer yeah. sing it. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, funny enough, that Vanilla Ice's album was the first album I ever bought on cassette. Really? Yeah. And I don't think I ever had that album, cassette or CD or anything, but I do have it on my phone. Do you? Yeah, the name escapes me, but I think it was... So you're similar age to me, like 42, 43? Four, 44. 44, just a slightly bit older, okay. Yeah, I um, so I would have been in, I don't know, junior school. I guess it's different in the States. I don't know what year it would have been, but I guess 10, 10 or 11. Yep, I, remember, I, remember, I remember getting it on cassette. Yeah, we had uh, got pictures of my sister and I, my sisters and I, on the fireplace, standing up as our stage, <laughs> with uh, with with these little flashlights as our mics, singing nice. that song. With the hair. That was a b- bad influence on my sisters, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't even well, talk about my hair back then. No, well, yeah, that's a topic that many of us don't want to talk about back then. Uh, that's a good something about you that people don't know question or answer. Sorry, it's a, it's a not a boring one. Um, tell me one of the most pivotal moments in your life. Uh, I mean, moving across the world to move to London for sure. Okay. 100%. Um, for better, for worse. I had to leave my... You know, friends and family behind, of course. I mean, had you had you met your wife by then? I'm yes, assuming yes, yes, yeah. yes. We were we were married. We we're living in Washington D.C. Okay. Um, we had the opportunity to. Um, I had the opportunity to go work in corporate um, for a company in, in the industry I'm in. Okay. It was an exciting opportunity. Um, it would have kept me in Washington D.C., or I could have taken the entrepreneur path that I did and, and moved across the world, um, which was exciting, but also. You know, it's a lot filled with a lot of uncertainty and unknowns. Um, how much? How much of a conversation was there? I mean, like, obviously, it wasn't a case of right, we're off. You know, it's, it's a it's a big it's a big move, isn't it? So, how much conversation did your wife have to give up work, or is she doing something? Fortunately, her company uh, that she recently left uh, earlier this year. She'd been with for twelve years. So at that time, she'd been with them for several years, and. Um, they have an office in London, New York, DC, a global company. So she was able to to transfer. In fact, she'd already came and worked 
in London for a couple of months, a couple of years prior to that okay. uh, on an exchange. And so it was relatively easy for her uh, to make that transition. But we, we did, we did have more than one conversation. We sat down did a pros and cons list and, um, and, you know, the risk and the benefits and all that stuff. Um, but, but ultimately uh, what, what drove it is the excitement, the, the um, opportunity to start something new, to be creative, um, to um, sort of advance my career in this industry. Uh, and then on a personal side, living in, in London is you have travel at your back door. We were like kids in a candy store yeah. when we first moved over here, traveling everywhere, almost every weekend. Nice, yeah. I mean, short flights into Europe and that sort of stuff. Yes. Somebody asked yeah. me the other day, where have you been in Europe? I said, uh, it's easier to ask where I haven't been. Yeah, I remember, funnily enough, my wife and I were talking similar topic the other day, like pre-kids. So I've got two young kids now, but before we had those, um, we used to live just outside London. And it used to be the same. It's like, all right, you know, take Friday afternoon off work and you'd be in Florence by dinner time or Paris or Rome or wherever. Like, and it's just, they were good times. I mean, it was kind of obviously a lot pre-COVID and that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's uh, I can imagine that was quite powerful for you guys it, yes and, and we do we don't have children and um so the the money that we'd be <laughs> investing in children you know we're spending a percentage of it on on travel and it's um um yeah it's, it's been it's it's been a joy obviously it, it's come with you know the missing your friends and family yeah um, but i go back home and visit as as often as i can okay and then any plans for future moves or are you staying in london for the foreseeable for the foreseeable future, I'm here. Um, yep. uh, I used to make plans way in advance, uh, you know, like I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, but uh, I don't do that anymore. Um, no. I I think you know, we'll see where, where business and opportunity takes us. Um, okay. I, I, love, I, I do like living in London a lot. Uh, I, I enjoy the UK. Um, I, I'm still an American in my soul. Yeah. Um, would I end up? I'm not opposed to, you know, being back in the U.S. at, at some point, but, uh, you know, we'll see. So is your business solely focused on the U.K. now at the moment? No, um, we are uh, We are currently, all of our locations are in the U.K., uh, okay. but we have pipeline to go into the continent right. um, and, and to North America. So I guess this is as good a time as any then. So for those listening or watching who don't know what you do why don't you give us a quick the elevator pitch so my my company uh, the brand is called bold uh, yep. and uh as, as i said earlier we we create ecosystems for entrepreneurs and innovators and um what that looks like at a, at a macro level if you zoom out we look like a, a we work or a co-working space um but and while space and great coffee and wi-fi are features of of what we offer um, we very much build an ecosystem. We're connecting people. We're programming out content that's going to help entrepreneurs um, go through that journey from idea to exit. Okay. And um, you know, we do a lot of partnerships with the venture capital firms, angel investors, and you know, help, help with coaching and stuff like that. So, have you suffered at all with the kind of, I guess, the reputation of WeWork or, or you know what they, the, the damage of the WeWork reputation? Do people sort of link the two of you? They think you do the same thing. Uh, well, there, so we have in our business we have we have two uh, constituencies. We have uh, well, we have three. We have our employees, um, yep. our team, our team. Uh, but uh, 
our first our other constituency is is the customer. You know, the people who are the entrepreneurs, the innovators, the the business owners who are coming in yeah. to the ecosystems. Um, and then we have our clients, um, our partners who are the owners of office buildings. Okay. And so the clients, those partners, they are the ones who saw WeWork as damaging yeah. in some ways because they were signing up leases that they were not fulfilling. Yes. Um, they obviously had the big IPO debacle, which now they have IPO'd. Yeah. Um, and they had all of the stuff we've seen on TV that was going on in their culture. Um, but from a customer perspective, um, you know, there are certain things that might have negatively affected the customers. But what they've got, what we work, I think, got right was um, the brand to market fit. And they've right. clearly identified that there's massive demand for uh, an environment, a workplace that people can go to sometimes and, and be around like-minded people. Mm-hmm. So I don't think from that perspective – um, there's, there's been any, any negative connotation associated with, with bold. Okay. Um, and yeah, stop right there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so presumably if, uh, any entrepreneurs are listening to this and they wanted to find out more, where would, where would, where would be the best sign place to signpost them? Uh, check out our social media. You can look at workbold.co.uk uh, on our website as well. Um, and uh, connect with me on 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 Twitter or or LinkedIn or or Instagram. Okay. But, um, yeah, workbold.co.uk is the best place. Okay, right. If you're an entrepreneur and you're listening, go check it out. Um, okay, we'll move on to the next question then. It's about lessons learned, and I'm sure you've learned loads over the years. But what what would you say is one of the most valuable? I think um, I would cho- two things together. Choose your partners wisely. And, okay. and deeper on that topic is making sure that you're fully aligned with with the, the plans, the outcome, the journey, the exit. Is there a backstory there? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think as entrepreneurs, we tend to be very um, ready. We want to we want to go right away. We we're, we have an idea. We want to run a million miles an hour. Yeah, which is which is a, a benefit, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely great. But um, we need to make sure that our ideas in our head and the ideas in someone else's head that we're going to partner with in some way, we, we discuss all the, the ways that they might differ. Yep. Um, you ask questions around, well, what happens if this doesn't manifest? What happens if this doesn't happen? Um, how do we pivot? You know, but it's not specifically how it's more philosophically how yeah uh, so you just want to make sure that, that that we're aligned and you know certainly um you know I, I've, I've had a business partner in dc where we've um we didn't see eye to eye on on our core values and i didn't know that going into it i didn't ask enough questions okay um then i had um the business partners here in london um that i came over here with we weren't aligned on the growth trajectory of the company and the exit plan um, and how, 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 sorry, I'm deep diving yeah. into that a bit. How, how far out were you? Like, or what were the, obviously one thought it was going to grow quicker than the other. One thought it was going to earn more than the other, that kind of. No, it was more like, okay, look, there's two types of, uh, of businesses. Every business is a startup when it starts. Yes. But a startup 
and a small business are two different things. A startup yes. typically is has a growth trajectory, has has the ability to scale into something massive. Mm-hmm. A small business, or what some people call a lifestyle business, um, can still grow and make the owners pretty good money. Yes. Uh, but it's not going to IPO one day, no. probably. And yeah. so um, those require different strategies, different tactics, yes, um, and and different capital. And so, um, if we in that business, we thought we were a startup in the beginning, but we realized that our core values. Um, my partners wanted it to be a very successful small business, and um, you know I wanted it to be a very successful startup, right? Scale up. Yes. So when it came time to when when we when we had the MVP, when we you know. Um, built it up and had the revenue coming in and we were yeah. ready to start scaling. Um, and we went and having conversations with capital partners uh, and the topics of cap tables and dilution comes up. Yeah. Well, things got uncomfortable. Okay. And, um, and so you know, ultimately it just didn't work. So had you, had you never had that conversation or had the thought processes changed over time? Uh, we didn't have deep conversations about it. Okay. We we had some surface level conversations. It was a big lesson for me. Yeah. Um. To to go into and and it's because you have this idea you want to run a million miles an hour. Yeah. And if you all of a sudden start having conversations, it becomes a bit of friction or you know uncomfortable. Then it slows the process down, and we tend to shy away from that. But don't shy away from it. You have to have this. Com- it's better to not go a million miles an hour to have those conversations, get on the same page, and go forward, or not, than to yeah. than to go into it and um and not be on the same page. No, and do you know what I love is that's the first. I mean, I've only done sort of twenty odd of these podcasts, but that's the first time I've heard that lesson. And actually, I think. It's probably up there with one of the most important that's been shared so far because I, I I experienced similar with one of my businesses and which I started with a good friend of mine. But we weren't aligned at all in what we, you know, and again, we like you, we had surface level conversations that, you know, we're at the pub. It's like, oh, you know, we should do this and we could do this and then it leads to this. And then but that was how it, and it was like, right, let's get started. But then, you know, a couple of months in how it's kind of a weird thing to say but the what's the word the the effort required to get to where one of us thought it was versus the effort required to get the other person wasn't just wasn't aligned and that's the key word right there alignment i think yeah alignment it sums summarizes this whole lesson up massively and i think that alignment goes to your core values it goes to the, the path you want to go on in the journey and the exit but also goes back to why are you doing this in the first place what is the why is are you trying to solve a problem and who are you serving or yes are you just trying to make money and serve yourself was when when you were talking about this stuff with previous partners it's an interesting thing that's come up in my life recently is about the subject of the business and what it's doing and, and something you said about core values kind of made me think about it. Like you said earlier about you want to support entrepreneurs and obviously the business you are doing now 
is very much aligned, again, that word alignment, with supporting entrepreneurs. You're, you know, you obviously believe in entrepreneurship and, and, and ergo your business is aligned with it. Have you ever worked in a business where it's something you're producing or a service or something, but actually fundamentally you're not really that into the, to the underlying topic? Yes. I, not, it wasn't my business. Okay. Um, but in, in my early 20s, I was working in hotels, got recruited by a staffing company okay. to uh, supply contractors and builders, construction workers, with temporary labor. Yeah. And I did it for six months. And um, we were affected. Uh, our, our product was, 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 was people. Um, and we were trying to get the we, – we, we, our ambition was to make the most margin on those people as possible. Okay. Our, the mission wasn't to help underprivileged people earn an income. <laughs> yeah. And so um, – which, if it was, then that would have, you know, would have certainly felt better about what we were doing. But uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't last there very long because it just didn't buy into the whole, the whole mission there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, I'm going to move on to the next question now. But I, I just want to reiterate that is a great lesson about alignment. Um, and I guess it sort of goes across not just entrepreneurship, right? Even just jobs, even just careers. And funny enough, I saw a post on somewhere about marriage very recently that said the same thing about that they were trying to say. And when I first read it, I thought, that's crazy. But actually, the more I kind of thought about it, I thought that's really a very interesting way to look at it. But what they were saying was, if you get to six months of dating someone, like six months is kind of your, this isn't a fling. It's not marriage, but it's it's certainly on that trajectory or path or whatever. And they were saying that at six months, you have to have this conversation to make sure you're aligned. And it was about stuff like, do you want kids? Yes or no? How how do you, um, how are you with money? Are you a spender? Are you a saver? Do you want, if you do want kids, do you want them to be privately educated? And they had this like list of 20 something questions that you should have a talk about. And I found it phenomenally interesting because I was just like, oh, how many people obviously find themselves getting into a, a marriage, I guess, ultimately, where they suddenly realize that, you know, one is very risk averse or one is very risky or one is like, you know, has a different perspective to money and, and all these little things. But, and it, you talking about alignment just sort of made me remember that. And it's, it's exactly the same, isn't it? It is. And it goes across business, um, uh, sport, uh, personal relationships, friends, yeah. Uh, and I think one thing I will say though, is that, um, alignment doesn't necessarily mean you have to think the same. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to have the same skill sets. Um, or it just means you have the same core values. It means you agree on the path you're going on together. Yeah. The exit in business, of course, but, uh, and, and philosophically how you address friction when it comes up, because it will come up. And you talked about just now. You said one's risk averse, one's not. Well, I think I think that makes for a good partnership, actually, because okay. as as entrepreneurs, we tend to be v- very you know much risk takers, but we need people on our team that um, are very very measured and discerning in decisions because um, 
we need to be grounded sometimes and we, we need to have that opposite skill set in there. You yeah. still have to agree on the other things though. And that's the right. same with marriage, I think. So I guess the alignment is at a macro level and then the, the micro stuff underneath it is what helps you achieve that path, right? It's a framework. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like I feel like you've got a I mean maybe you have already, I don't know, but I feel like there's an interesting blog post or, or YouTube <laughs> video in that. Um, okay, moving on. I believe everyone's got a superpower of some description. What would you say is yours apart from Ice Ice Baby? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, um, I, I, superpower. Uh, I'm an optimist. Okay. I don't know if that's a superpower, but I see the best, I try to see the best in people. Um, probably not superpower though. I think, I, I think this world is getting very polarized. Yes. And oftentimes there's truth on both sides. Mm -hmm. And I do, I'm not, I wouldn't call it a superpower necessarily, but if I had to choose a superpower, I'd say this is it. I really try to empathize with both sides and understand where the truth lies on each side and bridge that gap. Um, and this is from political discussions to um, business partnerships to, you know, to marriage, whatever it, I'm not, again, I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it, no. but, but I really aim for that. I really strive for, for that. And I, I don't know, what, I, what do you call that? I don't know what you call that. Well, I think empathy, right? I was just, I was just in my head, I was thinking then when you said that, that actually, I think empathy in this day and age is a bit of a superpower because we're so much stuff going on and there's such a influx of opinion and stress, I guess. You know, it's hard to stay empathetic when, when stress levels are high. Um, you, you mentioned about optimism. Do you, do you find your optimism wavering with, like, sort of everything that's going on in the world? Not really. And this this, this might be nurture. Uh, it might be nature. I'm not sure. But going back to my grandfather, he was an, he was an optimist. He, um, in fact, he was a member of the uh, optimist club of the city we <laughs> grew up in. Was he? Yeah, the optimist club. Who knew? Um, and and I so I was involved with that at a young age. And you know, what what goes on at the optimist club? Oh, they had monthly luncheons and um, they were supporting different causes and was doing good works and stuff like that. It was all like volunteer stuff and every Christmas time they sold Christmas trees um, and all the money raised supported uh, uh, char charities they selected is, um, is it still is it still going on today uh, I don't know I don't know to be honest with you I feel like that could be a good organization I feel like it's something that needs to be an optimist club that needs to be uh, had in the world these days yeah, and there's you know lately the trend is uh, is is you know calling out toxic optimism uh, or toxic positivity, and I want to say that it's not about that. Um, certainly, being optimist doesn't uh, ignore anything negative that's happening. Well, that, that's why I asked, right? Because I mean, I consider myself I'm pretty optimistic about life and business and the future and whatever, but there are times. You know, if you're tired or there's a lot going on, it's it's hard sometimes just to keep things in perspective when, you know, cost of living crisis, energy prices, you know, obviously what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, jobs, you know, the, the finance, the economy, all that sort of stuff. And it's just like, 
it's like this little hammer just tinkering away, ding, 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 ding. And it makes it harder. And I'm not saying that, you know, I think I think as a society, I'm sure we get through it all and, and you know, touch wood, everyone's okay with it. But it does, in my in my opinion, sort of just make it, being that optimist a little bit more challenging on a daily basis sometimes. Well, I think being an optimist, <clears throat> it's not a daily thing. It's uh, it's, it's no, a, true. It, it's a it's sort of a mindset you take, and you know, any, any sort of mindset, you have good days and bads and bad days. And but I think optimism is about having hope. Yeah. Um, and having hope that that the better is on the way. It doesn't mean that it's bad, not bad now. Yes. Um, I mean, there there's some horrible things happening in Ukraine and you know in Iran right now, and um, and things that have been going on negatively for groups of people for a long time um and so but if we look at a macro level and 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 say okay well if we look back at history where we are today is way better than we used to be but we have a long ways to go and you know as an american we um we, we always like to say that you know we're the best at this and the best at that and you know we've got the best system of government and you know we've seen in recent times where the system of government um is uh rightfully so causing people to question things yeah uh, but i have hope uh and I, and I am optimistic that we will get through this i think right now we're in the in the decade of friction is what i like to call it okay um that in this decade from 2020 2030 um there's a, a generational shift happening a lot of people are um going out of the workforce and get it going into retirement. And a lot of people are coming in and it's different cultures between mm-hmm. the two, the two or three or four. And that's causing friction. Anytime power shifts, friction yes. happens. And this doesn't discount on a person by person basis, how bad it is for people. Yeah. But it will get better. I think for as a whole, as a society we're, we've got a brighter spot coming. I hope. Do you, are you if you had to classify yourself would you would you put yourself in a long term view of life as opposed to short term how do you how do you sort of work that the re- the reason i ask is i i think a lot of people are very short termist um which going back to your earlier point about having hope and you know on a daily basis and stuff means you look at life in a in a different way to someone who looks at it long term and actually you know looks at it and says right this is a blip as opposed to you know the world's ending and and the rest of it i think that i i try to take the perspective and I, th- I think for me it works to say okay well when things are good um it doesn't mean they're always going to be that way yes so don't live your life like they're always going to be good uh, and when things are bad, it's not always going to be that way. So don't have the perspective that things are always going to be bad. Um, you know, that's, so that's, that's, that's a life. long-term view, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. I don't, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not thinking about okay when I'm 80 years old, blah blah blah. No. I just think about that in the moment. Like in the moment, this is good, and I'm enjoying this, and I'm doing things that I believe in. Yes. Um, I, I I would I speak from a bit of a privileged perspective i think um and maybe i won't always be able to say these things or 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 feel these things right now right but uh, this is this is where i am today and 
but I hope that if my life were to be in a very bad spot, that I would continue having hope that it gets better and doing things to help it, help it get better. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. What, um, what topic is guaranteed to get you on your soapbox? <laughs> Industry topics or life topics? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Um, let's, I mean, go life, let's go life topics first. Well, we, we touched on it earlier about the polarization. And um, I, I think what's, what's really unfortunate is that the way the political system works these days, the way that um, all the, the, the media and politics comes together to, um, to create division to retain power. Yeah. Um, and I won't get into all the nuances around that because there's lots of them, but it's unfortunate that um, society is being led by that right now. Yeah. And I think going back to what I was saying is there, there's a bit of truth to both sides and, you know, you've got, wh why can't we have, um, why, why does it have to be binary? Think life isn't binary. Um, no. th there's, there's loads of perspectives and I think society is better off by having diverse perspectives at the table. So my soapbox is, is around, you know, binary conversations. I believe in a plus not versus world. So do you think then, does, does the political system have to change? Does I mean, I guess in the States, it's very much the same as the UK, right? It's, it's pretty much a two-party system. And in both situations, and I'm sure it's similar globally as well, but like you're very much either conservative or Labour or democratic or republic, right? And there's almost like an ethos that goes with those both those things. It's like, I have to think like this. Yeah, and then topics get labeled to that and if you yeah. if you believe this topic then all of a sudden you get labeled as, as that party or what have you and uh it's one of the reasons that i uh unsubscribe from any political affiliation in the u.s i'm a registered independent voter because okay. i don't believe in uh the politics i don't like either party um and i agree with some things that one party says and i agree with some things the other party says but i don't like so, the so leaders of either <laughs> well same same for me in the uk to be honest what so I guess, right, okay, so we know why the media does what the media does, right? Because as one of my previous guests so eloquently put it, what enrages, engages. So we know why they do it, and they're never going to change, right? Because they're all about the clicks and the views and, and whatever. And, but I guess if I'm reading between the lines of what you're saying, then do you think that the, the way the politics has to change, do you think it doesn't fit today's modern world? Or do you think that, I don't know, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, which I apologize for, but what was, what's your thoughts on that? Does the two-party system work? I, I'm not a fan of it. Okay. Um, I, I, don't, I, have, I have limited experience in political systems other than you know, being a voter. Yeah. Um, but the two-party system, if I speak for the U.S. perspective, um, that two-party system, the way it works today, isn't working in my opinion. Okay. I think we need um, independent thinkers we don't need a herd mentality, um, and I think independent thinkers, people to come up and challenge the status quo of the two parties, and whether that be within the two parties or whether that be a third, fourth, or fifth party, I don't know. Let me but, ask you a question. Let me ask you another question. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go if for you, it. If you, if you had a magic wand and you could change oh, anything you're taking, now. <laughs> you're taking my, my, my phrase. Go for it. Yeah. 
Love it. What, what would you, what would you, if you could introduce a political system, or I don't even know if political system is the right word because it might not even be that. If you could introduce a system to start leading either country tomorrow, and I and I appreciate this is a huge, huge questions with tons of nuance and tons of detail, but at a high level, what what do you think it should look like? I, I mean, candidly, I don't think I'm the right person to 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 answer that question. Um, I, I would say I probably don't know. Okay. But if I could wave a magic wand, I would I would like to say that we would have a leader um, that didn't um that didn't take a political affiliation okay um i'd like to see a leader who um have you seen the movie or the netflix series designated survivor yes uh Kiefer sutherland yeah i keep i keep seeing him as jack bauer as president yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, from 24 <laughs> but um but the the character he plays as president in that series I'd, i i would like to see someone of that type of character um, lead a country. Yes. Now, that's fiction. Somebody made that series up, um, but isn't isn't uh, a lot of our uh, technology today wasn't it made up by fiction previously in some movie? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't course. know, but can, can can we not aspire to? Um, to, to make a positive impact in the world and not aspire to have power. Which is the way it should be, right? I mean... Ideally. Yeah, it's funny. I, I kind of... I mean, this is probably a, a podcast that's it could be a much longer with much more qualified people to share <laughs> their views. I just... I don't know. I, I'm with you. I don't think it's working as it is. And I don't think... I think the biggest problem that no one seems to talk about is is the people who are leading our country don't really have the experience or the life experience to actually lead the majority, you know, to understand the thinking of the majority of our company. And, I, and I'm sure it's probably the same in the States. Again, I'll caveat that by saying I'm a total idiot and I, my knowledge on the subject is really quite limited. But you know, one stat I saw was about how 70-something percent of the UK cabinet was privately educated compared to something like 3% of the UK. So that doesn't quite add up. So I don't yep. know. It's, it's... And, and, you know, again, back to American politics, you get uh, one party wins the presidency. The president surrounds himself with a cabinet full of people who are of his party. Yes. Um, but on any given election every four years, that president can go left or right, depending on the gerrymandering of the <laughs> of the votes of the electoral electoral system. And so, I just wonder if it would make more sense if that president would select would would appoint people who are of the opposite party to help represent the people who didn't vote for him, because they still are the the citizens that he's going he or she's going to um, represent. Yeah. And ultimately, I guess, you know, whether they're one party or the other, I think life is a bit nuanced, more nuanced, right, than being right or left. To your binary point earlier, like, the reason I the reason I asked you that in the first place and you said you weren't qualified to answer was because 
I was kind of looking at what you were doing from an entrepreneurial level. And you obviously see the value in an entrepreneur being here. And to get them to here, you need to introduce certain things, you know, whether that's assistance or whether that's, you know, a marketing coach or whether that's an accountant or, you know, you understand that they basically need support. And the reason, the reason I asked you the question in the first place is because I, I kind of figured that politics is similar or should be similar, right? You know, whereas instead of an entrepreneur, you've got society and society needs to get from here to here and they need to get support. Now, obviously, the scale is hugely different, but the theory is kind of the same. You know, some will need support in this area or this area or this area. I don't know. It's kind of, again, I, I kind of feel like an idiot talking about this because I don't really know enough about it. But th that, that was the reason I asked you the question, because I thought... There's parallels between what you're doing now and how politics maybe should be. Yeah, I think from a principles and core values perspective, there's some similarities. I wonder if um, if the entrepreneurial journey, uh, the the companies that succeed, it's sort of survival of the fittest, but it's more market led. Yeah, um, it's market driven, so customers end up deciding who wins. Um, but often venture capital decides who wins, but can you, you can't really have that in a society because you need, need to take care of people who aren't fit as well. Yeah. But is it not a case of just giving people the best tools to give them the best chance? Like, I mean, you know, you could give a company all the best tools in the world. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to be hugely successful. As long as those tools are equal for an op equal opportunity for everyone. Yeah, maybe. And then okay. you got to also teach people how to use the tools or give them opportunities to learn how to use the tools. Yes. Okay. I think it's probably... <laughs> we could get on a soapbox for another podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're good. Let's move on before we uh, we get people emailing in, calling, well, me in particular, an idiot. But I'm sure over the course of your life, you've you've received and probably dished out lots of advice to people. Um, particularly more so now doing what you're doing, but what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, Actually, do you know, do you know yeah. what? I'm going to, I'm going to change it. I, I wrote that down as being received, but what's the best piece of advice you've ever heard? How about read? I read it. Yeah. Um, so James Ulcher, if I don't butcher his last name, um, wrote a book called choose yourself. Highly recommend it. Okay. In that book. And I'll, quickly summarize what I took away. Say yes to opportunity. Okay. So when you say yes to opportunity, um, that opens doors. And you never know what door it's going to open. And you never know what it's going to lead to. That door, when you walk through it, might not end up being what you thought it was going to be. And you might end up closing that door. Okay. But it ends up leading. It, you 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 learn from it. it. When you when you do a deal, when you say yes to something, it gives you the opportunity to succeed at something, to learn something, to grow um, in some way. As long as you have the growth mindset and you're and you're self aware. Um, if you say no, you don't get that opportunity. So I agree with that philosophy quite quite um, quite a lot. I'm going to play devil's advocate a bit here now. So if you, if you open up LinkedIn on any given day, you'll see someone giving the advice of 
to succeed in entrepreneurship, you need to learn to say no. Yeah, this is true. Yeah? Yes, yep. And I'm actually with you a bit. I think people should be saying yes to more stuff. I'm trying to find where, where the sort of the middle point is and why. Is it just people writing that stuff for clicks? Is it actually true? Is there a, a nuance, I guess, back to our kind of a polarizing binary stuff? I would say it's definitely uh, not binary. It's not yes or no. You, you shouldn't say no to more opportunities than yes to the opportunities. You should say yes and you should say no. Um, it, the wisdom is going to be uh, sometimes uh, reflective later on. You'll, you'll know what you should have said yes and no to. But um, I think the, the bigger thing around that is reflection and you know giving yourself space to, to reflect. Yeah. So I'm not saying say yes immediately. Uh, definitely you know, make your pros and cons list, you know, but think the, but about the point, it. Do your, but, the, yeah. but the point was that you said you don't know, you might, I can't remember how you phrased it, so I apologize, but you, you said if you say yes, you don't know what you then, um, you know, you might go into an opportunity thinking it's something by saying yes, but then you actually realize that it's something else, but there's still a massive learning there, right? Or there's still yes. leads to another door, but you might not necessarily know it in the first place. Yes. Uh, when I came to London, um, if I would have known then what I didn't know now, I may not have come to London. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, about, uh, sorry, specifically around that specific deal and, and, and what we ended up getting to and, and the environment around that and everything, okay. everything and, and the misalignment. Yes. If I knew we were, we were misaligned then, um, I probably wouldn't have come to London. Um, but presumably so, the position you're in now is a result of you making that. Right. Yeah. That's correct. And so it, it might sound contradictory, but um, it, I, I said yes to it. I, I did the research based on the knowledge that I knew at the time. Yeah. I asked the questions that I thought I should ask at the time, um, and, and I did it. And it opened up so many doors for me. Um, yeah. I'm way better off today than what I was. Um, I'm wealthier all around in, in mindset and everything. So yeah. connections, networking, everything. Um, but um, I'm wiser now as well because of the lessons that I learned, the things that went wrong. And um, I think if I would have known that those things would have gone wrong then, I might not have made the decision to come over, um, yeah. which is only making it better for me going forward. So now I'm going to ask questions that I know I should ask today about other opportunities, uh, and I'm going to I'm going to look for reasons to say yes while also doing my research and making my pros and cons list and reflecting. Do you ever think about where you'd be now if you'd have said no to that opportunity? I try not to. Um, I also, in in general, I try not to think about stuff like that. I try okay. not to have that that mindset of uh, what if. In, in but it, but it's part backwards. and parcel. I like what if I'm looking forward. But it's part and parcel of reflection, isn't it? Um, no. Well, it could be. It could okay. be. Not for me. Okay. Uh, from for me, reflecting is is seeing what went wrong, and um, in that particular instance, seeing what went wrong. But uh, what if I'd have done that? Yeah, I guess to understand like chess move type scenarios, but not in a regretful kind of way. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that's great advice. I think it kind of frustrates me when I see these posts knocking around on social about, oh, you've got to learn to say no to more. 
because and, and there's another guy called um I'm sure you maybe Derek Sivers. Have you heard of him? Yes. So he he has the hell yeah mentality, and he's and I love if, Derek if it, Sivers. If it's not a hell yeah, it's a fuck no or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And it's I love Derek Sivers, and I love a lot of his content, and some of his podcasts that he's done with people are some of the best podcasts I think ever done. And his philosophy is this: yeah, the hell yeah. If it's not hell yeah, um, but I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of potential doors and avenues and just serendipity that you're kind of shutting the door on by saying no to a lot of stuff. And I look back at some of the things in my life and where I am now and things I've done that I probably should have said no to, whether, you know, for whatever reason I didn't. And I don't know. The more you say yes, the wiser you become in you to, to, to learn when to say no. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's a good way to look at it. Okay. The future. When you think about the future, what do you see? Well, I, I, I imagine a world where more people are aligning their purpose and their incomes. I think a lot of people are working for money to pay the bills, to take care mm-hmm. of their families, to travel or whatever they're spending their money on yep. uh, in jobs that they're not inspired by. And I really hope that more companies uh, recruit with putting their core values and mission and purpose at the center of what they do so they can attract people who are aligned with that. Yep. So that I imagine a world where more people are aligning their income and their purpose. Okay. Do you think... Because um... Sorry, I just want to say, I think the reason that's important is because when someone is pursuing a purpose in my in my experience um we we feel more fulfilled we feel happier yes less stressed not every day but in general uh, and if more people can align their income with that then we'll ha- we'll have a, a happier world and happier people are you know, have less less conflict hopefully yeah. um i'm not all about like world peace and all that i am but i'm not saying it for world peace perspectives but um i think if you look at the stats right now as i said earlier more and more people are starting businesses because they're pursuing something they're passionate about um and more more people are also volunteering today because they're trying to make a positive impact on the world do you i mean so presumably you see a lot of entrepreneurs right you obviously talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and you know in your day-to-day life you deal with a lot i guess do you see any correlation between success of a business endeavor with the purpose or mission led thing that it does from the entrepreneur i think companies who are um putting that mission and purpose front and center um are more successful in in recruiting people who, who, who are bought into that and when people are aligned with mission in their company they're um they, they they go above and beyond they give more and companies can retain that talent longer yes um whereas you see other companies that are very much profit numbers focused 
um, you, you see a lot of people leaving those companies. I mean, even if they pay pay high, people come in, bank some money for a couple a year or two, and then leave for something else that gives them the ability to pursue their person per purpose or or have more balance in their life. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's a big topic, isn't it? I I think um, is there a miss or like a, a disconnect with people starting businesses based on their interests or their hobbies or whatever and th- that's not the same as a purpose right no purpose is about asking you know what impact you, you asked earlier about waving the magic wand if yeah. you may have a magic wand what would you improve in the world today and then pursuing that okay so the business should be about positivity i guess i'm, I'm trying to sort of ask the question about what businesses people should be starting so for instance my guest whose episode went live today which is a really good one which i think you'd probably quite like actually they have um they have really strong core values in their business and they won't work with certain companies that they don't think are are um positive you know gambling companies tobacco companies um some sports companies that they mentioned as well but they're a marketing company so with that in mind, people could theoretically start any business or any service or any product as long as it supports that that um, underlying belief, right? It doesn't have to be necessarily, I'm going to go and start a soup kitchen tomorrow or a business that – do you see what I'm trying to say? I'm, yeah, not, I'm not being I, I very think, eloquent in it, I guess. I think the best um... – the, the 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 best entrepreneurs are the best companies are started by entrepreneurs who uh, have have experienced a problem and they want to solve that problem for okay. themselves and then they create a business around it to solve that problem for other people. Is it, is there any one you're working with at the moment in particular you think of doing a really good job of this? Well, I'll, I'll give an example. I'll give a shout out actually to to Caitlin and Will over at Interlude. They're co-founders of a well-being startup. Okay. Um, so they they have their own personal story to tell, and I won't tell that today. But okay. They created this app that um, companies can give their employees to be able to to take breaks. It helps okay. them. It helps them take breaks, and um, and why is that important? Because uh, when we recharge our batteries, if it's for five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, whatever, mm-hmm. um, we become you know, we're more productive, we're happier in our life yes. because we've been able to recharge our batteries and we're not worn down. Um, so th- they had this problem themselves. They now have found a way to um, uh, commercialize it, to create a product around helping other people take breaks. Yeah. Um, the company's called Interlude. So if you want to take an interlude from your work day. Yes, um, yeah. And so I, I'm I'm just a big fan of, of what they're doing. They're early stage. They're raising money right now, um, but I'm a big fan of of their purpose and their mission driven um, perspective. Sounds good. Sounds like a great example. And I think I might get you to intro me to them and get them on the podcast. Sure, happy to. Sounds, sounds like a good story. Okay, final question. Um, so each guest I get to ask a question that they want to ask the, the next question. And the question I have for you today 
is what one action or step could you take today to be happier? Me personally? Yes. You know, when you ask questions like this or you, you get a, get asked a question like this, you, you, you want to you wanna give the best because you only have one, one chance here. There's one step, so you want to get the best one. And so I'm thinking of all these different things. Well, um, I mean, look, I mean, the question's open to... I kind of guess a level of interpretation, right? If you've got two or three things that you're thinking, oh, do you know what? Great. I'm not. I'm not going to sort of hold a gun to your head and say you can only give me one. It's, I'd say no. I'd say be more disciplined and consistent. Um, and I'm going to apply that specifically to the gym. <laughs> okay. Um, for me personally, um, you know, health is important. Um, and especially as I'm, you know, in my early forties, not mid forties yet. <laughs> um, and, you know, thinking of thinking, thinking long, having that long-term perspective, this is the only thing I think about when I'm 80, I want to, I don't, I don't want to be in bad shape. So like, I need to make sure I built, keep, keep that foundation today. So I need to be more consistent in the gym. Okay. And, and I have, are, are you not very consistent then? Is that what well, you're saying? I, have, I go through phases and, uh, okay. so I, I've, I'll go through phases where I'm consistent for a year and then I'll take some time off and, I just need to be more disciplined and consistent about it. Is there a pattern to what causes that time off? It's uh, well, I think the the pandemic really threw me off. Yeah, lockdowns and stuff like that. Um, but even before that, um, it was I think it was probably uh, the nature of of my work and where I was in my creative uh, brain at the time. Yeah. So your one step is around health and trying to be a bit fitter or consistently trying to be fitter healthier yeah and you know it's not about being fitter as in a look perspective even though that is a nice outcome yeah. but it's it's more about inside you know and and i every year haven't gone this year but every year i take a I go get a physical and check my blood pressure and all the other uh, vitals and all that stuff just to make sure that i'm not you know i'm going to catch something if it's there and you know what this comes back to your long-term mindset right is it's, it's planning for the future as opposed to you know being short-termist and not worrying about it and then suddenly getting to 80 and suddenly realizing you can't get out of bed every day and i maybe should have asked you am i a long-term thinker <laughs> i think you are and i i yeah i think that's blindingly obvious in in a lot of the answers and i think that oh, I, i've been thinking about this topic a lot lately you sort of look at a few people and i, I so interestingly, if I was, I was thinking about this question for my answer, and mine is a similar answer to yours, but it's probably more diet focused than than exercise focused. Same, same goal, same. Um, but they go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. But exercise is one thing I don't. I'm kind of, well, not currently because I'm injured, but I was kind of fairly consistent with. But my diet is where is what lets me down in that in that thing, and similarly to you is because i know that you know when you get to your mid 40s you know that diet starts the, the pendulum swings a little bit in how much influence diet has versus exercise and but my train of thought there was having a bad diet is quite a short-termist view on life whereas a lot of the stuff i think about i'm quite long-termist whereas when you like you know go and have those chips or that burger or those chocolates or whatever it's like oh it's only one day and then it's like you know the next day it's only one day whereas but as you as you zoom out kind of it 
those one days become a lot more regular and that, that's a short-term way to look at things. And I guess it's probably the same with exercise, right? If you think, oh, I'm not going to go today, I'll go tomorrow. Yep. And, it, and it very quickly becomes, um, I mean, again, we could talk about habits and stuff all day long, but it becomes, you know, a habit as opposed, or it becomes a regular thing rather than a, a one-off, so. Yeah, it's it's important to uh, to to be disciplined, uh, to be able to, you know, dis discipline is when you don't feel like it, you still go, and, yeah. um, you know, I'm not always disciplined. Are you disciplined in other areas of your life? I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it, how the discipline fluctuates between different uh, different but subjects. Doesn't mean discipline. Disciplined and, and perfect are, are, are different definitions. I'm not saying I'm perfect in any way. Mm -hmm. um, and as much as I try to be disciplined, I'm not always disciplined. And yeah. but I think it's important not to beat yourself up over it either. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, it's a great answer to a final question. Um, Caleb, I'm really happy you came on. And I, and I say this about, I say a derivative of this sentence to all my guests, but you never know what you're going to get. Um, you and I don't know each other. So it, it was kind of, this is the first time we've really chatted apart from a few emails and whatever. And you never know what you're going to get from a guest, but you've really uh, outshone expectation so i want i want to i want to thank you a lot for coming on and it was a pleasure to meet you and to chat with you and uh i'm very grateful you took the time out and your busy schedule so thank you very kind chris and thank you for the opportunity it's it's you've asked some really provoking questions i appreciate your perspective on on this and uh on, on a lot of these conversations and i would love to continue the conversation offline and um have some more Any, chats anytime mate anytime well, what do you reckon? That was 10Q interview with Mr. Caleb Parker. If you made it to the end, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did, hence still being here. Feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at 10Q interview everywhere. That's all from me for now. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to this. If you're new to the channel or to the podcast, make sure to check out some of our other guests. We've got some cracking episodes on there, which, you know, none of them are bad. All of them are solid gold, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. The next 10Q interview episode will be live next Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe and it will be in your feed before you know it. Anyway, speak soon. Thank you.